chapter 8, verses 20 through 22 says this. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, so the Lord's not talking to Noah at this moment. This is, this is him talking to himself, okay? So the Lord, have you ever talked to yourself before? Come on, I, I talk to myself all the time. It's kind of strange, but I, I do it, right? And this is what, what God said in his heart. I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. This is God promising himself that he will never do something again. Powerful piece of scripture. We're not going to focus on that part, but that's awesome, okay? Verse 22, while the earth remains, here's the promise, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. This morning, I want to speak to you from the subject, the cycle of a seed. The cycle of a seed as we look at the significance of sowing seeds. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's alive, that it's powerful, that it's active, that has the ability to transform us. Your word is a seed, and when planted in the soil of our hearts, can take root and grow. And as it grows, it transforms us. May your word do that in us this morning. We love you and we worship you. In Jesus' mighty name, come on, and everybody shouted, amen. amen. Show of hands, little, little just kind of personal uh, inside look. How many of you would be like me and you would say that you're impatient? Where am I impatient? Wow, okay, awesome. We got an impatient church. <laughs> that's, that's scary. Okay. <laughs> I really hope the 11 a.m. is all of our patient people. Maybe that's why you're here at 9, right? Just want to get this day over with. <laughs> oh, shoot. All right. Uh, all, all the patient people. There's like four, five of you now, right? If you are patient, raise your hand. Just the patient people. Okay. <laughs> Welcome. It's good to have you here. You are outnumbered. Um, I would consider myself a pretty impatient person. Uh, if my wife were here, she would, uh, she would agree. Uh, I, maybe our team would agree with that as well. I don't know what it is. It's, it's my personality. It's kind of the way that God's made me. But I don't use that as an excuse to not discipline that part of me, right? Because how many of you know uh, us impatient people? We have to really work hard at being like somewhat patient, okay? And that matters when it comes to seeds. It, it really does. I don't know if you were like me, but when I was a kid, um, I got to do a science project as a young kid. Probably one of the best science projects I've ever done, and that is a styrofoam cup, dirt, and a lima bean. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? I think we've even done that in our kids' ministry here. <laughs> and I remember this moment because, one, it highlighted how impatient I am, but then it taught me a principle that I still appreciate so much. And, and even to this day, as I think about that illustration, it, it does a lot in, in my mind and my heart. But I remember as a kid getting the styrofoam cup that I would plant dirt in, or put dirt into, and then we put the lima bean in the dirt, and then we would bring that styrofoam cup home, and you would put it in the window seal, and you would water it, and you would hope that sun gets to it. We lived in Seattle at that time, so it just took a lot longer to grow, because uh, there is no sun. Um, the Lord doesn't put sun there, and so he puts rain in Seattle. But uh, eventually, 
after a while, and in great degrees of impatience, I, I remember I'd find myself running to my mom. Mom, when's this thing going to grow? You ever been there before? When is this seed going to sprout? And it felt like for an impatient person, a minute feels like an hour, an hour feels like a month, a month feels like an eternity. That's how impatience works, right? And that's what it felt like, this, this long period of time. And then one day, one day, you remember this? You would walk up to the styrofoam cup and there's just a little tiny guy right out the top of it. And I was psyched about it. Like I was so pumped. My lima bean is growing. I ran to my mom. Mom, look, it's growing. My bean, it's growing. Is it going to be a tree? No, son, we're just going to throw it away. But okay. <laughs> While the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Cold and heat, summer and winter. I learned during that particular science project, there is a lot more happening underneath the surface of that dirt-filled cup. As a kid, the bean was planted, and then one day it was poking its little head out of the dirt. It didn't, I didn't think much about it. It just did its thing. As I grew and I learned a bit more, I realized that there is a lot more to the process, that there is actually a cycle to the life of a seed. There is a cycle to the life of a seed. The interesting thing is that the Bible deals with this issue as well. Seeds in the Bible are actually very important for us to understand and very much worth a bit of study and concentration. As weird as that may sound, the Bible talks a lot about seeds. Everybody shout seeds. And more importantly, the Bible talks a lot about the cycle of a seed. And so that's what I want to deal with this morning. I want to take a look at what we learned from the Bible about the cycle of a seed and how it applies to our lives naturally, spiritually, and practically this morning as we prepare for our motion offering. I want to look at four moments that we must understand in the cycle of a seed. And every single one of these moments is found contained within Scripture. That's what I love about this book, the Bible. Come on, somebody. That it's got everything that we need for life and faith and diligence and process and the journey that we're on. And every single one of these, that's why we got a lot of Scripture this morning, is found right here in Scripture. And so my encouragement to you is I want to ask you to open your heart, open your mind this morning as we dig into the cycle of a seed. Four moments we must understand in the cycle of a seed. Every shot, number one. Number one, the first thing we need to know is that a seed must be sown. Seed must be sown. Matthew chapter 13, one through three. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Come on, anybody want to be on the beach this morning? <laughs> and great crowds gathered about him. So that he got into a boat and sat down and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, this is how he began his parable, a sower went out to what? A sower went out to sow. Why would Jesus tell us that? Because for many of us, it's kind of like a duh moment. But it's actually very important. Jesus wanted us to know this. He needed to, he didn't, he wasn't flippant with his words and his parables and the stories that he told. He wanted us to know a sower went out to sow. Why? Because a seed must be sown. See, the parable that would follow has no purpose if the main character of that parable simply didn't exist. If we launched into the middle of the process, then we have no idea how this has taken place. Why? Because the sowing is so important. Listen, there is no story without the sower. Did you hear that this morning? 
There is no story without the sower. You see, the power is not in the seed, it's in the sowing. A seed has the opportunity to be a seed only if it's sown. Come on, church, did you hear me this morning? <laughs> a seed only has the opportunity to be a seed and to do everything that a seed is supposed to do only if it's what? Sown. It's one thing to have a seed. It's one thing to bring home a lima bean. It's another thing to bring home a lima bean in a cup of dirt. See, the seed has to be sown. It has to be sown. Our motion offering this morning is not about seeds, listen, as much as it's about sowers. See, this was Paul's greatest point as he spoke to his church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves what? A cheerful giver, or a great way to put this is a cheerful sower. See, this affects really how we approach any moment where we are being called to sow something. This morning or many other moments that we have in our life. Let's let, let move it beyond just our motion offering this morning. But any moment that we have to sow something. The way that we approach any moment, we are being called to let go of something. It doesn't just mean finance. It's anything in our hand or life that requires us to let go of it. Come on, maybe we've got some parents in here this morning who are starting to let go of their teenagers as they move to college. You're sowing a seed. Hopefully we've done everything that we can to make sure that that seed is ready to be sown. It can apply to any part of our life. You fill in the blanks. But this is the fundamental issue that we face as humans. Our propensity to hold on to things. But God's kingdom is a kingdom of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Come on, if you're like me, we love to hold on to things, don't we? We have a tendency to hold on to things. And this is why God wants us to understand that, look... In order for a seed to be a seed, that seed must be sown. 2 Corinthians 9. Here's the context of that whole verse. The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Then he goes on. Watch this. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Did you know all means all, and that's all all means? <laughs> that's good right there. <laughs> As it is written, he is distributed freely. He is given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. And then he says this. This is awesome. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Generosity produces praise to Jesus. You see, the seed has never really been the issue. It's always been about the sower. 
Moments like this, the one before us today, it's about creating a culture and a pattern in our lives and a pattern of our, of our church, one that is of excitement and anticipation as we sow what God has ultimately provided for each and every single one of us. So the first part of a seed cycle is a seed must be, come on, shout it out. Yeah. Seed must be sown. Number two, ever shout number two. A seed must yield. A seed must yield. John chapter 12, 20 through 26. This has rocked my life this past two months. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Interesting enough, right there, we're getting ready this next week coming up to start looking towards Easter. The road to the cross, the grave, the tomb, the resurrection, right? Next week we start this journey. And this is what Jesus is saying. It's begun. It, it, it's, it's time to start this journey to his ultimate destiny. Truly, truly, verse 24. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and what? Dies. <laughs> it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Paul the Apostle in 1 Corinthians 15, 36 would once again highlight this truth. Like I said, a lot of scripture, because I want you to see this is Bible, not me. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? What kind of body do they, do they come Paul says, you foolish person, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. See, this moment in Paul's letter is actually a play on words that, that Jesus spoke in the piece of scripture that we just read. The point being that a seed, after it is sown, it must what? Yield. It must die. It's got to yield itself. Why is this so significant? Because it helps us have proper relationship with our seeds. You see, a lot of us actually, now watch this, a lot of us actually view what is a seed as fruit. So we tend to hold back and not sow. Pretend that Peter's water that I won't drink off of, but thank you, sir, I appreciate it. Let's pretend this is an apple, okay? Let's pretend this one right here is a seed. The problem that a lot of us face is we have the two confused. We believe that our seed is fruit, and that's it. We believe what's been produced and that we have in our life is actually fruit, so we hold fruit, because why would you plant an apple? But notice in Corinthians, we just read this, he who supplies what? Seed to the sower. It's never been about fruit, it's always been about the seed. See, a seed must yield, and why is this so important? Because we need to understand, we need to have proper relationship with our seeds. See, if you see your seed as fruit, you will never plant your seed. Let's take finance and resource, for instance. Probably one of the most applicable things that we can deal with in here. We work, we get paid, we spend. Fair enough? It's kind of the cycle of our we're finance. We work, we get paid, we spend. Some of us save and, and apply it in other areas, but for the most part, we work, we get paid, we spend. 
And this is the way that we operate because we see, we have a tendency to see our finances what? Fruit. But rather, what if we could see it as seed? And if we did, it would change the way that we interacted with it. So if it's fruit, I hold it, but if it's seed, I plant it. See, money is such an issue with us because we primarily see it as fruit instead of seed. And because of this, we hold it. Yet when we see it as seed, then we live with it open-handedly as the main point of a seed's life is to be what? Planted or sown. Thank you. You're doing good, church. (laughs) Interesting point. little pro quo here. In biblical times, land, plots of land that people would buy were measured by the amount of seed that could be sown on it. Think about that. When they measured land, if you had a plot of, if I was going to buy a plot of land from Seth, right? I'd say, Seth, how much seed could be sown on it? I would never ask him how much fruit could be gained from it. Land was measured by the amount of seed that could be sown. Why? Because they understood the greater importance of seed rather than fruit. People planted not to get as much fruit as they could, but rather to be able and equipped to plant more seed again. Come on, are you tracking with me, church? (laughs) This is why Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 9, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way. Many people falsely believe that God's promise is to give fruit for keeping. Many of us have heard this before, this idea of the prosperity gospel. How many of you have heard this this idea before? Where we believe that if I give, then I get. If I do, then I get. That's actually not really a promise. His promise was to supply seed for what? More sowing. Why? Because it's not about the fruit, it's about the seed. And if we could start thinking about seeds, planting seeds, then what God has promised is he will always supply seed so that you can continue to sow, not fruit just to hold. A little Bible that we're teaching this morning. Paul would say God's promise has always been multiplying your seed for sowing. See, when I see this process, when I see money as fruit or any other resource in my life is fruit, I begin the process of developing an unhealthy relationship with my money. When I see it as seed, then I have no problem planting and allowing it to die, to yield itself. Erica and I, we've been planning for a while what it is that we're going to give. There's, there's actual money in these for me and my wife. And... Uh, she said, Jason, make sure that you take our motion offering this morning so that we can, we can put it in. And I, I want to be just really real. Can, can I be just a human being with you? Remember, I'm a Christ follower before I'm anything else. Okay? This hurts us this year. Because if you're like me, you can see a million and one other things that you can do. Right? We came to this moment, if I'm really honest, we've got a third child on the way. We live in a tiny house, so we're trying to buy a new one and sell and do all these different things and be strategic about our finances and everything like that. And I would be lying to you if I didn't say there was this moment where Erica and I had a conversation and said, couldn't we just like 
half it? We entertained the thought. You ever, you ever done that before? Just being honest with you. And I was sitting in my office one day, listening to that song that we just sang, weeping like a baby. Don't know why, I've been emotional lately. Maybe it's because I got a second girl on the way. <laughs> Who knows? Erica's passing all of her estrogen onto me. <laughs> Subconsciously. <laughs> Make him like pink. I'm sitting in my office and I felt God just ministering to my heart. And I got in my car and I drove home as fast as I possibly could. Came barging through the door like Kramer. (laughs) And I said, no. She knew exactly what I was talking about. I said, we've got to give what we've planned to give. It is seed, not fruit. We made our declaration in that moment and we're trusting God with it. Why? Because I don't want to have an unhealthy relationship with that which God has provided in my life. Does it own me or do I own it? Open-handed. It's the way that I do it. So that we do life. Why? Because this is just on loan, baby. This is ultimately God's. And he said, okay, I'm going to give it to you, not to have, but to hold. So that in the right season, you can plant, so that you can sow, and you can reap. The resource that we have is on loan from God. Watch this, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regrets the, regards the clouds will not reap. Why? Because we're so concerned about the external forces around us. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says, there's never going to be an opportune time to sow and reap. But he who does it will never do it. He who looks at these things will never do it. So we've got to be the type of people that understand that a seed must be sown, a seed must yield. Come on, every shout number three. Come on, every shout number three. A seed must grow. This is the part everybody loves. We hate the first two parts. We like the grow part. Mark chapter 4, 26 through 28. And he said, the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth, watch this. Listen, listen to the language being used. Listen to the words. The earth produces by itself First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. This is so important for us to understand because many of us fail to realize the relationship between soil and seed. Seeds carry the design, but soil determines the development. Did you hear that this morning? Seeds carry the design, but soil determines the development. Many of us have been casting our seeds wherever they may be, whatever they may be, upon soil that does not have the ability to see and help that seed grow. 
You fill in the blanks. Maybe it's the wrong relational soil, the wrong financial soil, the wrong job soil. Maybe you've been casting seed on soil that is judgmental and fear-laden and bitter, unforgiving, expecting to receive something good from it. But you've got to understand that the seed doesn't matter. It's the soil that produces it. It's the soil that produces it. So you can cast good seed. Oh, come on, somebody. You could be in a relationship, and the soil of that relationship is built on bitterness and hatred and frustration, and you can be tossing seed of your relationship on that, hoping that it's going to turn into something else. But I want to tell you something. It's soil that determines the growth, not the seed. The seed's benign in all of this. you got to have good soil. you got to have Good soil. See, if our seed is cast upon improper soil, it will not grow. Now let's just take it a little bit deep. Can we do some surgery this morning? This also speaks to the soil of our heart. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Here's more seed and soil. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, listen. Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell among the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil. Ever shout good soil? Come on, ever shout good soil? It fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the seed, this particular parable is the seed of God's word. Where does that seed fall? The soil that we read here is soil that represents our hearts at various moments. Listen to this. Please hear this. It fascinates me that while we hold the idea that God is all-powerful, and He is, that even the seed He plants is completely dependent upon the soil that receives it. Think about that. God's Word, as powerful as it is, is completely dependent upon the soil that it's planted in. <laughs> Sorry, bro. This is true Bible thumping. <laughs> See, I could, God's word could be planted in, in the soil of Mike's life. And maybe he's rocky ground. <laughs> and so while it can take a little bit of root, it doesn't take full root. Right? Maybe Joe over here. Maybe she is good soil. Because she is good soil. She, she's awesome soil, actually. She's way better than that soil over there. So God's word planted in her produces, produces fruit. But again, maybe we come over and the soil's planted on the path. He's just path soil. <laughs> it says that the birds come and they devour it. God's word, his seed, think about this, is completely dependent upon the soil. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind away. 
So we think that God can and will do whatever he wants to do. He wishes that we'd all receive his word. But soil is what is important. See, many of us have a problem sowing seed because the soil of our hearts has never received seed. So therefore, the concept of seed growth is foreign to us. The question that we must ask, is the soil healthy enough for my seed? For all our singles out there, when you're getting into relationships, come on, when you're, you're playing the dating game, one of the first questions that you should ask is, not does he work out? Does he have a job? That's a good question, if he has a job. That's, that is a good question. But is he the type of soil that can help me grow? Married couples, we've got to constantly cultivate our soil so that as married couples, the other one has the ability to grow. Why? Because we are seeds and soil. You apply it however you need to apply it. You put it however you need to put it. But I also have another one I know that we've been challenged. I've got a lot of questions about this. Is the church, is the well healthy soil for the seeds that we're about to plant today? And I want to say to you, not because I'm the senior pastor of this church, but I work with five guys who help this church move forward in a financial aspect. This is healthy soil that we are planting in. If it wasn't healthy, we wouldn't have been able to do everything that we've been able to do in the last year. We, haven't been able, we wouldn't have been able to give away all the money that we gave away to charities and different things that are happening. We wouldn't have been able to send out missions. We wouldn't have been able to plant 79 churches this year alone. We wouldn't have been able to still be a debt-free church. Why? Because it's good soil. It's good soil. Soil matters and Number four, a seed must be harvested. A seed must be planted. A seed must yield. A seed must grow and a seed must be harvested. And he said the kingdom of God is if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. We just read that. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, he at once, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, and Jesus throughout all, went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly, not for a greater harvest, not for more, but for laborers to be sent into the field to gather the harvest. It's interesting that we pray for harvest, yet we have to be praying for laborers. Come on. It's interesting that we pray to God, do this, do this, do this, but yet the Bible tells us that the greatest prayer that we can have is that he would actually give us the ability to be laborers in the field that's already ripe. Seeds planted. A seed must be harvested. The truth is, is that seeds create harvest. Now let me be very clear. As we give this morning, it is not 
in an expectation that somehow our harvest will be financial. Absolutely not, that's crazy talk. God supplies seed to the sower. I don't know what he's supplying in your life. The truth is that seeds create harvest, but please hear this. We sow natural seed that produces supernatural harvest. The seed that we sow today is the seed that produces greater effectiveness in our community, in our nation, in our world. The seed that we plant today helps us build a house in Mexico in November. Creates a harvest. Doesn't mean that we're going to get back anything from it, except the fact that we're laborers that have been placed in a field to collect the harvest. But what is the promise? The promise is this, is that God will supply what? Seed to be sown once again as we give today. My prayer is that we do so with great faith, expectation, and an overall sense of joy with the ability to do so. That we would give today not on the basis of what we will get back, but rather the harvest that will be produced by it. That our giving today will be further engagement and partnering with God to see amazing things happen in the lives of others. The question is this, are we ready to go out into the field so and then harvest. Are we prepared to say yes? I'm going to ask everybody to stand to your feet in this moment.